Hi, this is Jen Gruber, author of The More Method, and you're listening to my quest for the best with Bill Ringle. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringle here, host of My Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished experts who want to share their knowledge and experiences in order to help you be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating toward more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Jen Groover. Jen is a successful serial entrepreneur, performance coach, and and retired national-level fitness competitor. For more than two decades, she has taught and inspired audiences as a speaker and trainer and has been called out by Success Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, and Forbes for her thought leadership. She's created content and contributed as a business and lifestyle contributor for major television networks such as ABC, CBS, CNBC, NBC, MSNBC, and Fox Business News. In addition, Jen has contributed editorial pieces to the HuffPost, Entrepreneur Magazine, Inc., and the Wall Street Journal. Her products, brand, and work have been featured in hundreds of media outlets, including O, The Oprah Magazine, Red Book, People, U.S. Weekly, Success, and Forbes. Jen Groover lives in New York City and is here to talk about her book, The More Method, the simple formula to get everything you desire in life. Welcome, Jen. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure. Now tell me, when you were growing up, Jen, who's someone who influenced or inspired you? So I'm not sure exactly how young you want me to go back, but I would say the most significant person who shaped my life was in my 20s. And it was a man named Bob Proctor, who I'm sure you're familiar with. And Bob came into my life when I was a young entrepreneur. I owned a fitness center in Wilmington, Delaware. And I went to this event in Canada that was very spontaneous. I actually wasn't technically supposed to be there, but I believe I really was supposed to be there. And Bob was speaking on stage and he was talking about principles of success and and laws of the universe. And every single word he said resonated with me. And what was interesting, it was like, I, I knew everything he was saying without knowing it, without somebody teaching it to me, it just resonated at such a high level that afterwards, now mind you, I'm sitting in like Maple Leaf Stadium filled with people and I fought my way to find him afterwards and I ran up to him and I said, I don't know how I know everything that you just said, but I know that I know it and I know that I need to know more of it. So can you please teach me? And he was so kind. I think he saw this like girl with like bright eyed and bushy tail desiring to change her life at such a young age and he gave me his business card and he said, if you're serious, reach out to my assistant on Monday and she'll tell you what to do. So I reached out to his assistant on Monday and she had said to me, Bob said that there's a mastermind starting in California this Friday and you need to go to that. And here I was, this young entrepreneur paying everybody before I pay myself. I just got back from this event in Canada with all those travel expenses. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I really should go. Thank God I took that chance and made a stretch and and I went and I found myself in this mastermind group called the 3% Club because it was he and all of his friends and associates were teaching us how to think like the top 3% of thought leaders in the world. And again, I was 25 at that eight, at that stage. So I was the youngest person in the room. And that, that mastermind went on for three years and Bob would bring in all these other thought leaders like Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. And I was just a sponge and learned how to break my childhood 
paradigms and beliefs and programming to then intentionally create a future. And thank God it happened at such a young stage because it made my journey a lot less painful. (laughs) Even though the universe is funny and has its own sense of humor and things will always show up, but his influence taught me things that I could have never imagined learning that accelerated the trajectory of my life. And was it as much of what you were able to learn that was new or ways to shed some of the burdens that all of us carry growing up and being told things that are just being told out of convenience or the own limitations and blind spots of the people around us? It was both, equally both. It it really taught me that I have the power to choose to live however I want and I can create my life. Up until that point, I think I more so thought life happened to you. Of course, you create it, but I didn't realize the level and many dimensions of which we can create in also about recognizing programming from our childhood. I learned it in college and psychology, but Bob's information and all those other thought leaders taught me how to access it at a different level and and how to shed and heal trauma from childhood programming. And then also how to truly believe in yourself and your abilities that you can accomplish amazing things. And instead of thinking, why me? Stepping into the world saying, why not me? Why can't it be? If someone is going to create these record-breaking businesses, why not be me? If someone's going to have a TED Talk, why not be me? So I started really walking around the world thinking, why not me? And and once I started really living that mindset, anything was possible. This has come to you now to help bring some of that mindset and smart thinking into their own companies so that people make better decisions. They're able to spend less time on their past anxieties and focus more of their attention on making good decisions for the business and for their colleagues. What are some of the things that people want you to convey when they contact you and ask you to speak to their groups, Jen? The biggest thing that people want me to be teaching a group, whether it's entrepreneurs or corporate America or a women's empowerment group or high school and college students even, is to share with them my insights of how to maximize one's potential, how to live to our greatest version self, how to reprogram old beliefs that are limiting us, how to create new greater intentions beyond what we thought was possible. No one can maximize their potential unless they recognize their potential is unlimited. And many people think of their growth in a limited way. And once we understand how we can biohack and time hack and and really uh, hack into our relationships, relationships at a whole different level of creating deeper trust and intimacy and communication, then we really start living at an accelerated pace of greatness than we ever thought was possible. And for corporate uh, America, they always want to learn how to create the better bottom line quickly. So how do I get my sales team to sell more? But for entrepreneurs, what they really take away is this holistic approach to success so that they're not just more successful in their business, but in their relationships and their family and their health and well-being and their own personal evolution. No one can really maximize their potential until they recognize that their potential is limitless. Great. Business leaders want to be able to share with their teams how to really increase the bottom line and how to create a greater sense of holistic success so that they can be fulfilled, not just professionally, but also personally. Wonderful. Jen, in your book, The More Method, and we're going to get to the details of that in just a couple of minutes, but let's talk about the change depth because many people just think that all change 
changes the same. And you bring in another word to the vocabulary and the discussion around change. What's the difference to you between change versus transformation? This is such a great question. I really appreciate you asking this question. Transformation is a constant state of evolution where we recognize every day that we can be a better version of ourselves than we were the day before. In a state of transformation, we recognize also that we have to change beliefs, to change behaviors, to change outcomes. When someone approaches change by just change sake, it's usually a state in which they're changing the behaviors without changing the beliefs, therefore will often default back to their old self, their old ways. And so true change, long lasting change happens through the process of transformation. One time I worked with this woman, Tracy, who owns Med Spa in Downingtown, and she had a, a smaller team of six people, and she consistently struggled with turnover, and she can consistently struggled with building her business in a sustainable way. And what I mean by that is reoccurring customers without having to constantly feel this scarcity-mindedness of attracting new customers, which is also important. But a lot of small business leaders often don't recognize how important retention is and how your business can really flourish by that retention um, alone. So when she brought me into her company, she wanted to learn two key things, how to retain employees and how to retain customers. So what I needed to work with her on is her awareness and her beliefs in being a business leader and recognizing in those beliefs that she was pretty hard on her employees. What do you mean by being hard on her employees? Well, I think we have an idea of what that means. What did you observe? She had really high expectations of what should be done, which is okay to have high expectations, but didn't necessarily clarify the expectations clearly enough and didn't recognize that most people don't respond well to a sense of blame or a sense of getting in trouble versus positive reinforcement. So she had grown up in an environment where when she did something wrong, she got in trouble. And that, that, type of behavior motivated her to be better. But for most people, it doesn't. For most people, it makes them scared. It makes them feel hurt. It makes them feel ashamed. So we had to address that. Most people aren't motivated by that behavior. So she had to learn how to become more of a positive reinforcement leader where she would encourage behavior. And that was hard for her because she had that mindset of everyone should just know. You should just know to do that. You should just do it anyway. And that's not true. If people don't know what they don't know, they just don't know it. So I had to teach her to learn to recognize everything her team was doing right as they were doing it. And then they started doing it more because positive reinforcement really does work more effectively for most people. So what I love about this is that I know so many business owners and business leaders who are managers who are responsible for teams and maybe for the first time and maybe struggling with it during the pandemic lockdown. And they're saying to themselves, my gosh, I've had different types of conditioning. I've had negative and positive experiences. What is it that I'm passing on awarely or unawarely? And they could listen to this example that you just described and realize how hard it is if there's someone who's Tracy and having that struggle and trying to do it on their own and the difference it makes to have someone there who could keep a clear vision and hold them to a direction and saying, watch the difference. Look at the evidence, Tracy, of what happens when you focus on behaviors that lead to behaviors that you want to recognize, reward, and re- Absolutely. And, and when they start to see the results, at first, 
first it went against the grain of her beliefs. She probably doubted it or minimized it, right? So she first thought, if I'm too nice to people, they're not going to perform for me. And if I don't hold them accountable in this type of more of a blame shame way, they're not going to follow through when I was then saying the opposite of what that belief was. And she started seeing that evidence. She thought it was magical, like a miracle, but she was able to see the results and then quickly transform how she led despite her old programming to create this new programming. And the same thing with the customers, she had this fear around not enough, the scarcity mindset. And so when she was talking to customers that were existing customers and wanting them to make sure they kept coming back in and signing up for different services, there was this scarcity energy of, I I need you, I need. And I said to her, instead of thinking of that person as a transactional experience, think of every time when you come in, how to maximize the value that you can give that person and making them feel loved and safe and special. And if they want to come back. That's right. You don't have to go through all the details, just keep to that tone and people are going to love the experience so much more. Exactly. And they're going to crave that experience. They're going to seek her out when they want some nurturing of their own. Jen, this really goes to a great point that I picked up reading The More Method. And it's how people limit their own ability to make new choices out of ignorance. What is it that we have to do in order to make new choices? The answer is obvious. We have to become educated. But why is that so difficult? I think the first step of all change and transformation is awareness, right? So a lot of people could benefit by reflecting more on a regular basis, making it part of their daily life to reflect on at the end of each day, how did I do today? What could I have done better today? And how could I see this differently? Just starting with those very simple questions starts to get our brain to become more aware of where we are so we can change where we want to go. And I know that sounds really simple. And I just assumed for a really long time, everyone reflected all day, every day, like I do. But I came to find out that is not the case at all. That's the most simple way to begin that journey of course correcting quickly. But the next step of that is you just still don't know what you don't know. So you might be aware of there's things you can change. I always tell people to begin with common denominators. If you have a common denominator, like in Tracy's example, with people not staying as your employee for a long time and turnover, there's a common denominator there. And so as the person responsible, she had to evaluate why is this happening? Am I hiring the wrong people or am I managing them incorrectly? So when we recognize that there's things we can change, then we have to bring in the resources to help us change. So maybe that's mentorship. Maybe that's someone to consult with your company, reading books. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. I can't say it over and over again. As a business owner or as a business leader, you should be the same way you're committed to maybe a workout routine or brushing your teeth in the morning should also be the same level of commitment to growth in your own personal and professional development. And lastly, an important part of this is surrounding yourself with people who are thinking this way already. So you're immersed in these kind of conversations and maybe it's mastermind groups where everyone's thinking in the mindset of expansion. How do I keep better, getting better? How do I keep growing? How do I keep evolving? And in those conversations, you will learn so much more than in the conversation where we all know these conversations where you're sitting around a table with people who are complaining and gossiping, which is completely going to derail and limit your growth. That's so well said. And it's such a great multidimensional look at a very important problem. And it starts with being aware. People who are aware at a certain level realize that their job as managers and leaders of the business is really to help people in the business take on more 
more responsibilities so that the business runs with stronger team. One of the points that you're known for talking about is that it's everyone's job in a business to maximize your own potential, to magnify the potential of others. And you talked about picking this up from Coach Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks. Can you expand on that as to what people need to learn about in terms of learn it for yourself and then share it with others? Yes. Again, another great question. I love this, Bill. We as leaders need to be our best version self every day to then be able to more effectively magnify the potential and greatness in others. If we're leading from a a limited mindset or a scarcity mindset or a fear-based mindset, we're not going to be able to, we're going to be looking for what's wrong with everyone around us versus what's right from everyone around us. Let me jump in here because both always exist, don't they? Yes, they do. And what you focus on expands, right? So you could quickly put your life in a very expansive state by focusing on what's right. And you quickly put your, just as quickly, put your life in a state of misery and suffering by focusing on what's wrong. But unfortunately, Bill, more people, and this is a a generalization of our society, are trained or programmed to find what's wrong with each person and experience more so than what's right. Think about superficially, people bond more on gossiping about people than usually talking about the greatness in the other people around them. It's It's an illness in our society from a standpoint of conditioning. But when we do this, when we condition our brains to focus on more of what's right, and then we go back to that positive reinforcement I talked about earlier, and we celebrate that within people and we encourage people, they then step in their own greatness. And as a business leader, then you manage less and lead more. And that's where where growth really does happen because people become more responsible for themselves. They feel more loyal to desiring to do what's right, even when no one's looking and wanting to please the person that's magnifying the potential in them, that they become a a mentor to them versus just a boss to them at that point. Or a coach like Pete Carroll of the Seahawks. One of the things that I loved listening to your story in one of your TED Talks is that you go into the fact that on his team, it took a while for that culture to take root, but they went on to win a championship. And afterwards, what is it that the players had to say? Every single one of them celebrated Coach Carroll saying he believed in us. He never doubted us. And a big thing I want to talk about real quickly on that point that I think really important is what Coach Carroll did when he came in to create that transformational process was recognize each person is different. Each person has a different background. Each person has a different story. Each person has something different that motivates them. And as a leader, the more we can recognize this, the more we can understand how we motivate one person is not necessarily going to be the same way we motivate another person. If someone's solely motivated by money to go on vacations, but we're asking them to work twice as many hours to do that, we've now just sabotaged what really matters to them. Or if we're trying to motivate someone by money who really is only motivated by praise and we're not giving them praise, then we're also defeating that objective as well. So what Coach Carroll really was able to do is recognize each person's motivated differently. Each person has different life experiences that makes them a different part of the team for whatever reason. And then bringing that team together, working as one, teaching them how to work in unity. And even when they would do something wrong, even when they would, like Russell Wilson, through those interceptions I talked about in the story of my, in my book, he still believed in Russell and it didn't yell at him like most coaches would do. He didn't scream 
at him in that moment where he knew I will shatter his confidence. And if I shatter his confidence, he's not going to pull through on this. Instead, he kept telling him he believed in him, kept showing him he believed in him. And then he pulled through in that game to, to win the game. And Coach Carroll is unique in that he's one of only three coaches, I think, that have won both national championships at the NCAA level as well as at the pro level. So when people think, gosh, will this work in my organization? You've got a track record there of somebody who's really an exemplar in this area. And I wonder, I think that the reason that you don't see more coaches adopt this is because it takes an extraordinary amount of personal work to get there and go against the programming. Jen, what's your perspective as to why we don't see more of this approach? Yeah. Well, you just nailed it. It's because the typical coach in the NFL, Coach Carroll just followed what everybody else did. Let's look at Bill Belichick, right? He has a successful track record, but he wanted to be different than that type of coach. It took courage, first of all, to be different because he did get big slack in the beginning. People would say he was soft as a coach. And, and they didn't see softness as effective. Meanwhile, soft being able to be soft was the biggest, one of his biggest assets. After that second Super Bowl, they, people said, Coach Carroll is technology, emotional technology for the NFL, emotional technology for the NFL. I thought that was one of the greatest compliments ever, but Coach Carroll had to be courageous to decide to be different. And yes, Bill Belichick has great success, but could I have more success was what Coach Carroll was thinking. Could I be more effective? Could I leave an even more impactful legacy if I did things differently? And what Coach Carroll does on a regular basis as part of his discipline as being that leader, maximize his potential to magnify the potential in others is he studies philosophy. He studies psychology. He reads books on emotional intelligence. He's constantly looking into different ways of biohacking. So he's constantly growing and evolving so that he can bring that growth back to his team. And without that, he would just keep doing the same things, expecting different results, which is not really a really good expectation. It is the expectation for madness, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Insanity. Jen, are you ready for the My Quest for the Best Lightning Round? I am. Bring it on. All right. So at the beginning of the interview, I asked you who's someone who influenced, inspired you growing up, and you talked about Bob Proctor and the wonderful people you met through his mastermind. When you were a teenager, what's a song that you loved? Girls just want to have fun. <laughs> Wait, how does that go? Oh, you don't want me singing, but it's Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun. I remember. <laughs> you definitely, no one wants me singing. <laughs> so Jen, describe your personal more journal and something you use it for that would surprise people. So my more journal is really about uncovering where I'm at every day to try and course correct what I'm weakened so that I can be stronger. Actually, I'm also interested in describe it as a physical book. Is it lined or unlined paper? What's the cover look like? Do you have stickers on it? Describe it. So the more method journal. Your journal, your personal copy that you write in each day. There actually is a journal. (laughs) And and then you've taken the more journal, which is available for purchase, and have you personalized it in any way? The 
more journal, I believe is personalized because every question I ask in it is a question I ask myself every single day. It's the questions that I ask myself to consistently keep growing and evolving and, and course correcting. And none of this is a path of perfection. None of us are perfect. But the key of these questions that I ask is really about helping people to understand a methodology of course correction, evaluation and reflection on our lives daily, and then being really honest and truthful with ourselves of what we could have done better and not being ashamed of that, not letting our ego get in the way, but then saying, here's what I'm going to do better tomorrow. Jen, your mission, as you describe it on your website, in that wonderful video that's at the top, is to empower and inspire as many people as possible to believe in themselves and to know that they are more capable and worthy than they ever thought possible. What's the most effective way that you've found to get the word out about your mission so that you could serve people each and every week? The most effective ways that I have found is social media. That's really helpful. Video and social media for anyone who is a speaker or a thought leader or wants to get their word out is way more effective than print. Uh, so people can actually see your gifts. They can feel your energy more. They can hear what you're saying and get exposure to that. And then leave them wanting more. And another way is word of mouth, really living with the intention to make incredible impact in other people's lives so much so that they want to go and tell other people about me. So even at speaking engagements, I ask a question that I just recently learned to do a few years ago because I really, I always like helping people and I have a hard time asking other people to help me. But question became something I recognized that people want to help people they're inspired by. They want to be a part of that person's world. So at the towards the end of each speaking engagement, I would always say, if there's anyone that you know or any other company that you know that would benefit from this information, this type of content, feel free to make an introduction. Holy smokes. That was that opened a floodgate of referrals because the person that just got or the people that just got done hearing me would were inspired and they wanted to connect with me further. So if they felt that they could help me and connect me to other people, then that we could build a relationship of some sorts that I then would be connected to them at a deeper level. And that also has become a really profound strategy for me. Jen, think about giving advice to a particular individual now. If you could give 30 seconds advice to coach Nick Sirianni to improve the chances of the Eagles being a better team and winning more next season, what would you share? I would go back to Coach Carroll's playbook and say... I believe that the first thing you need to do is get to know each one of your players, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what drives them, how they operate in being motivated. And then think of your team as a, a full unit that collectively wins when each one is winning and not, I think the whole Wentz theory of oh, there's this one big leader and everyone else, the supporting team creates fraction and, and jealousy, quite honestly, in a team. So I believe that bringing that unity together, one wins, we all win. And when one's down, the team wants to bring that person up. That team wants to win together and also to celebrate the value that you're adding to the world in doing it so that they're not in the state of ego. Because uh, I think sometimes that ego is what brings down a lot of these professional athletes. When they're in their zone, when they're in good zone, that's when they thrive. And that zone never really is thriving in ego. It's thriving in, I'm passionate about this. I love what I'm doing. I want to be the best I can be, not I need to be the star of the team. Excellent. 
What would you say is the best $100 or so purchase you've made in the last six months? It's funny. I just said to somebody, I forget what I did purchase, but I said it was fantastic. I would say the best $100 purchase I've had, which was a little bit more than 100 but Reiki. I believe in self-care a lot. So I actually spend most of my money on experiences more than stuff. Uh, so I'd say that Reiki experience I had last week was well worth it. What's the most important habit, routine, or belief that you've stopped in the last year that's brought you the most pleasure or personal satisfaction? I guess one thing that happened in this past year is I traveled a lot less because I had to <laughs> for work and I did find satisfi some satisfaction in it. It made me more grounded, more capable of spending quality time with my family. So I did, as much as I was upset about it, I did find a lot of gratitude in not traveling as much and being able to be more grounded and have more free time to be part of my family and community than I did when I was bouncing around 15 out of 30 days a month. Look back at a larger issue for a moment. What do you say to business leaders who expect better results from themselves and their teams without dedicating the funds and making the time to develop or deepen skills and better belief systems? What do you say to people who think that this can just happen because they send an email, for instance? Then we're going to go back to that statement of expect doing the same things, expecting the same results is insanity. So I believe the most important investment in any company's growth is investing in the team. And, and when you invest in the team, you're investing in their personal development, which leads to professional development. And uh, to think that people could change and improve just by sending an email saying, change and improve is a very short-sighted and unfortunate mindset. When you invest in your team and they feel valued and feel respected and feel that you're investing in their growth, they will go above and beyond for you. So let's take it a step further beyond that stumbling point and say that someone listening really wants to show that the development of their team is a priority. Where can they begin? What are a couple specific steps you can offer? To show your team that you care about their growth, we would want to begin bringing in trainers and speakers, maybe hiring coaches for the different team members that need more coaching, sharing books that they could read, and letting them know, I care. How can I help you? How can I support you? I want to see you do the best that you can do and be the best you can be. So where is it that you, what area do you want to grow in? And, and for some companies, even just starts by bringing in someone to talk about how to be healthier because the healthier we are, the healthier, physically healthier than mentally healthier we are. We have more energy. We have more mental clarity. We have more stamina to be successful. So it's bringing in resources of knowledge in order to teach people to have tools so that they can continue to grow. Well, Jen, you have shared so many great ideas today on my quest for the best. I want to thank you so much for reminding us about Bob Proctor's wonderful wisdom, about talking about how people who want to maximize one's potential is really the starting point, and then becoming aware of all the obstacles in the way that need to be cleared while still developing a vision for where you want to take your life. I want to thank you for sharing the example with Tracy, who ran the med spa in Downingtown and really had two areas that she wanted to focus on. One is retention of employees. The other was retention of clients and having them increase their average value to the company. You talked about 
how awareness is the foundation of personal growth, and it's important to ask questions and reflect on a regular basis, and to make a commitment to ourselves to become better and better versions of ourselves each and every day, and then to become better at bringing that out in the people that are around us, whether they are our direct reports, our colleagues, or even family members and friends. You want to show your care by helping bring that out and helping them connect with the best version of themselves. Jen, for these and so many more reasons, I want to thank you for joining me today on My Quest for the Best. Thank you for having me. Jen, before we say goodbye for now, can you tell us where we could find out more about you and your work online? Sure, jengroover.com. Jen, we're going to point to your website, your TED Talks, all of your social media channels, and of course, the book. Great. That makes it super easy for people to follow and keep up with what you have going on. Jen Groover, once again, excuse me, Jen Groover, author of The More Method. Once again, I want to thank you for joining me on My Quest for the Best. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on My Quest for the Best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app, so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on My Quest for the Best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.